Have you ever been afraid? I mean, really afraid. Well, today's guest is Stacey Light, and she not only knows what it's like to be afraid, but she knows what it's like to overcome that fear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Welcome to Radical Abundance. I'm your host, Teresa Jansen. Stacey, I'm so glad to have you on Radical Abundance. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, you know, everyone has fears. I do. I know. I've. Some of them are actually quite rational. Others are probably not as rational. <laughs> but I've reached a point where I don't let fear control me. And I think that's what we really want to get to today. Yes. So tell us... What happened that caused you to have that season of life where you did have fear? Yes, I'd be glad to talk about it. So I have been a teacher all of my life, and I absolutely love teaching. And after we moved to North Carolina, instead of teaching elementary school, I had moved to the middle school, and I was loving middle school. And shortly into my second year of teaching in the middle school, I had a a situation that came forward with a parent and I had had to go to CPS or Child Protective Services and make that dreaded phone call that teachers don't want to make, but we are bound to make when we know something is going on with a child. And a child had come to me and, and told me that a parent was abusing them. And so I shared with a child, you do realize that this is something that I'm going to need to report. And the child said yes. So the math teacher also had the student and during the day was also told by the child what was going on. So we made those that phone call together. Um, And later in the day, we were told that CPS went to the house of the child and they interviewed the parent. And when the parent was surprised, obviously when they came to the door, the parent had asked the child, who did you talk to at school today? And the parent or the child said, my name. And um, to our knowledge, the child did not say the math teacher's name, but said my name. And the parent turned and asked CPS, is that who made the report? And they told them yes, which is not supposed to happen, but it did at that time, unfortunately. But it sent my life into a crazy spiral of this parent seeking revenge through stalking. And so I, I woke up one morning with the parent in a car sitting outside of my home um, and really not doing anything but just watching but it's also very intimidating to have somebody staring at you from afar. So that's how it all began. Well, that does sound really challenging in so many ways, but I just want to go back a a little bit. You you said you've been a teacher. I know now you're actually a college professor as well, and you're Mm -hmm. a writer. Yes. And we'll talk a little bit later about one of the books that you've written. But as an educator, this is a really hard thing, but Teachers are mandated reporters, like you said, right? That you yes. didn't have a choice. You had to report. Yes. And teachers should and do take it very seriously. And interestingly enough, you know, we have conversations about that amongst ourselves as teachers. And we'll say, have you had to report? How did that go? How should we report? You know, what are the steps to reporting? 
but there, I've never heard of a teacher who has said, I won't do my job. I've always been around teachers who have said at all costs, you know, I'm here to care, care about kids. And I, and I love the fact that teachers will put kids first, no matter the cost. And that day, that's what I did, not realizing it was going to turn into something that would cause me such fear and anxiety, but it did. Okay, so the child must have felt really comfortable with you to have come to you and then also this other teacher. You did what you had to do. You did the right thing and took the welfare of the child in hand. And and I know from being a mandated reporter in different roles that I've fulfilled before, you don't it's not your job to decide whether or not something is really happening. If the child says it, they say something, you have to report it. It's someone else's job to investigate it. Yes. Your job is only to report. Yeah. So then the CPS checks out the situation and this parent decides to respond to that by stalking you. Now, stalking is a really strong word. Yes. And what you've described is, is someone sitting outside your house watching. And I, I agree, that's intimidating and weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Tell me, did it go farther than that? Or was this a one-time mm-hmm. thing that they sat, sat outside your house and just watched you? No, unfortunately, it went well beyond that, almost for the full academic school year, to the point where I had to get a restraining order. And we have what we call SRO police officers. They are police officers from our county that are in each of our middle schools. And so that police officer allowed me to get a a restraining order against the parent. But yes, the, the parent started out that first day just sitting in the car outside of my home, but it began to become following me in my car, seeing me in grocery stores when, when I knew that this parent lived well on the other side of town and it was not their area to really grocery shop. There was a time where the parent went to my son's lacrosse game and they didn't have a student at that school and they sat behind me, just one row behind me. So the knees of the parent were in my back while I'm watching my son play lacrosse. And so we had to get up and move to another section. And it was just a quiet way to intimidate. There was never, especially at the beginning, there was not a lot of verbal things that were said, but it was the presence of the parent that became became very uncomfortable. There was a time where my husband and I went kayaking. The parent was there kayaking and followed us around in the kayak. Just little things like that, but you're trying to be you know, with your family, doing just normal things, going to lacrosse games, going kayaking, going grocery shopping, and the parents there. And you just can't, you can't get that out of your mind. You're always looking behind your shoulder to see if the parent is there. So Stacy, this definitely sounds concerning and it sounds annoying. At what point in time did it escalate to you beginning to feel afraid? And what were you exactly afraid of? Right. Well, to be honest with you, I wasn't quite sure what the parent was willing to do and what her end game was. I I wondered, you know, at what point will this end? And actually, the kind of the last straw, the cherry on the cake for me was when this particular parent went to the high school. My son was a sophomore at the time and went to the office and claimed to be um, his mother and, and tried to get him to go to a dental appointment. And they asked for her, the ID of the parent. And the parent 
obviously didn't have my ID. And so they called police and then she ran off and then they kind of made a chase out of it. But that happened more than one time. And then there was a time that my son was driving to school and she texted me and said, I'm following your son and he looks so handsome today. And although when you read a text like that, you might think, oh, she's giving my son a compliment. She's saying he looks handsome. But it was the way and the tone of the text. You knew there was, it was scary to know that somebody was following my son. So after the focus became more on him, I felt like she turned the focus on him to get to me more um, because I think that's what, you know, that mama bear in me came out. (laughs) You know, it was one thing when it was me, but now you're messing with my kids. You know, that's just a no-go. We're not going to go there. So I went to the school board and to the administration and said, "Um, this has to stop. I have a restraining order. Now my son is involved. I don't want him involved. What can we do to stop this? And I said, either I will quit or you guys find out what she needs. What is her end game and give it to her or we just have to come to some sort of conclusion. Um, Because honestly, the fear and anxiety was keeping me up at night. I was having bad dreams. And to be honest, there were so many times that I was not leaning on God for my fear and anxiety. And I was allowing that to just be inside of my whole body all the time. It was taking over my life. It wasn't until I finally gave it to God and said, God, you are in control of this whole situation that I started to have some peace about it. Truthfully, that was when I allowed it to be over was when I allowed God to be in charge. She wasn't done, but I was done. And so I felt like I could go on. I could teach And I could give God because he knew what was coming the next day and the next day and the next day. And he knew how to protect my family and to protect me. And so I just prayed and got on my knees as much as I could. And and I had a peace that came over me and the anxiety and the fear went away. So fear is something that's not really very rational. And you ended up with a very rational response in turning it over to God and praying about it. How did you get to that point? What led you to say, enough is enough. I'm going to take charge of the situation by surrendering. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, it came to, the, came to a head because I was going night after night without sleeping. I would hear a noise. It would wake me up. I had, you know, I had gotten a security system, which is okay to get. I had, you know, gotten a, a gun and taken a con- concealed carry class, although I didn't want to do that. But at, at, the, at some point you have to say, when is all of this going to be okay? And when can I just let some of this go? And it was really becoming something that was just taking over my life. I wasn't able to, I, say, I would say, live a normal, healthy life it was becoming very unhealthy for me. And it was eating up all of my my time. It was what I thought about all the time. And my husband was very concerned and he was always, you know, as protective as a husband could be. But there were times, obviously, that I drove places that he couldn't be with me and, he, you know, he would pray for me and things like that. But I think there are just times where you feel like I'm at my wit's end and there has to be some culmination here. And it's at some point, all of the things that I had known to be true in my Christian life kind of just came forward to me and, and said, 
this is it. This is when you're going to really have to put your trust in God and and allow him to do his job. He is going to be there for you because, you know, in his word, he says he will be. And I allowed that to happen. And then almost immediately I felt a peace about that. And did that peace stay or did you continue to struggle? And did the, the situation just suddenly resolve once you surrendered it? No, it didn't suddenly resolve, but my, my anxiety and my fear became something that I could deal with. And I, I am human. So occasionally I would go back to that fear and anxiety when she would do something else. But because I had gone to the school board and the administration about my concerns and they had become aware and were talking with the, the parent, I felt like I was starting to feel like I was making headway with this and that it wasn't going to last forever because I felt like I had people on my side that wanted to see this end for me. And so eventually they ended up letting this parent take the child and go to a different middle school. And they removed the child from our school and went to a different school altogether. And they, they kept the restraining order intact um, just to make sure that, you know, the person wasn't going to be around me outside of school, but it, it alleviated many things. And although the, the parent still texted me a few times it waned away after about a six-month period of time, and there was less and less communication. And it, it, it just kind of ended up petering away after the child was removed from my class. Well, it seems like one of the big takeaways here is that you can't control someone else's actions. This is a case where, I mean, this was a terrible and difficult thing to go through, mm -hmm. but you couldn't make her stop. Right. And you did everything you could do from restraining orders and, you know, asking for help and things like that. But you can't control someone else's actions, but you do have control over your response to someone else's actions. And, and in so many ways, I think you really embodied that. And yeah, it always takes us longer to get to the point of surrender and prayer than what yes. we wish. <laughs> uh, yes. But thankfully, you got there. <laughs> So tell me, how are things different for you now? Have you had a bigger impact having gone through this experience? Yes, I, I believe that there have been a lot of circumstances where I've come across people, and honestly, a lot of them have been my college students that seem to have a lot of fear and anxiety in their life. And sometimes I share little bits of things that have happened to me in my life. I don't go into great detail about what happened to me, but I'll share some things that have happened in my past about how God has given me peace of mind and that if he says something in the Bible, then we know that it's true and that we can hold on and claim that as, as his word and know that he will hold on to it and we are his children. And so I think that I, what you said is so right, that what we can't control are people's biggest fears. And especially a lot of moms, I hear them say, well, the first time my child got a driver's license, I was beside myself. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I was upset. It was the not being able to control what was going on with their child when they themselves were in the car by themselves. Or, you know, any time that we can't, you know, as moms be there to uh, control the situation with our kids. I think sometimes we have fears over those things, you know, over a drunk driver hurting someone in our family, and we conjure up something in our mind about what could happen. 
And sometimes we make those fears worse for ourselves when we do the what could happen in our minds. But I think a lot of times we we have to rein back in and say, you know, God knows. God has a plan for each of our lives. And if we give him and allow him to take care of us the way he would like to, then all of this will work out. But I do believe so many people go through those anxieties and fears. And you know what's really interesting to me, Stacy, is that as much as we think that we have some measure of control when we're in the midst of the situation, the fact is, is we don't. It's such an illusion that we even think we have a control in the situation. I, you gave the example of a child getting a driver's license and being solo driving. I've had the experience of being in the car when my child got into trouble while driving. And you know what? There is nothing right. you can do from the passenger seat, but hang yes. on and pray, yes. <laughs> you know? And we had a really bad high speed accident Ugh. while my daughter Ugh. was driving. And that was, yeah, there's no control no. in that instance either. And it's a bit yes. of an illusion. So we might as well turn them over to God when they're in our grasp <laughs> yes. and when they're out of our grasp. Yeah, that's for it's a sure. hard way to learn some of these things. But I think that's why a lot of us share some of our hard stories because we know other people go through similar similar things. We know that other people are going to have fears and anxieties. And that's why I share some of my hard stories so that maybe in the midst of their hard story. They can remember, I'll get on my knees and go to God earlier than Stacy did. <laughs> Maybe their fear and anxieties right, will, yeah. will be a little less than mine were. Yeah, let's hope so. But we'll, we get into it when we get yeah. into it. We all have to choose that path. The point is to get yes. there. So if someone is really feeling anxious or maybe even fearful today, what would you say to them? I would just say, go to God. Get in your Bible. There are so many verses. And I believe even, haven't they said that there's like 365 verses, almost one for every day about having not having fear, that God is with you and that there's a verse for every day about not having fear. And, and of course, that's the one I had to deal with. So there are so many verses about fear. And believe it or not, there are some things about anxiety as well. And I, I think some people tend to forget that a lot of the people in the Bible dealt with a lot of the same things that we deal with today. And we can go back and look at, you know, David and Goliath. What kind of fear must he have had when he was going to go up against that massive giant? And saying, who, me? I'm going to go fight uh, this giant. I can't imagine what that would have felt like. So, yeah. I can only imagine. So yes, we can take any of those Bible stories and, and read those and, and glean so much from them. Stacey, let's take a minute and switch gears a little bit and talk about yes. your writing. Tell us what you have written and what you're working on. Yeah, so thank you for asking. Recently in November, I wrote a book called Good One God, and it's a children's book. And the book is something that encourages children to see the beauty in everything that God has made around them. So in daily life, and I love the illustrations. My illustrator illustrator did a beautiful job of doing herons and things that you would see by an ocean. And so if you like seaside animals, you are going to love it. And then I'm also about to release a suspense novel, which is also a Christian novel. It's a clean novel. 
but it's actually based on what I shared with you about the stalker. And it's the stalker story story written, but I did it in fiction. And we did it in fiction, obviously, because the the person who stalked me still lives in fairly close proximity to me. So I changed the setting and a lot of the details, but the story is still intact, although there's some fictional elements that we added to, that I added to the story. And I also have another children's book. Those two that you've talked about, Good One God and then the stalker story, that one, it doesn't have a Um, working title yet. Yeah, actually it's called uh, Dear Teacher, I'm Watching You. Oh, wow. That does sound suspenseful. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Dear Teacher, I'm Watching You. Okay. Those are two very very different genres. Do you mostly write fiction. Well, The Good One mm-hmm. God, it's a children's book. So it's it's still fiction though, even though it's about the real yes. miraculous God we have, right? And then the suspense. Those are two very different yes, genres I, though. I believe it's funny. People will ask me about that as a writer. A lot of writers tend to just write in one genre, but I believe I started writing in a lot of different genres because over the years of being a teacher, I was teaching writing to my third graders that I had for many years and then my middle schoolers. And oftentimes I would write stories and then I would ask them to annotate my stories and find the different, you know, literary uh, devices in my writing and then try to write something similar using the same literary devices. And so I began writing fiction. I wrote nonfiction and I wrote a lot of poetry that I love to write poetry, actually, but I don't know that I will ever publish any. I actually enjoy <laughs> writing a lot of different genres, but I think I'll end up sticking mostly with fiction. I appreciate you talking with us today about fear, but more importantly, overcoming fear and mm-hmm. turning that over to God and uh, how that whole process worked for you. And I hope that someone is really encouraged by that today. Uh, Also, and you know, what's interesting too, is who would think that an experience like that would give you the premise for a novel and here, there you go. Life is stranger than fiction, they say. (laughs) Very much so. Well, Stacey, do you have any closing thoughts for us before we say goodbye? I would just like to tell people, you know, if, if they want to try writing, give it a try, because I think that a lot of people, a lot of people will say to me, I've always wanted to write a book. And, and I just say, well, what's stopping you? And most people always say, I just don't know how to begin, or I don't know how to navigate the publishing world. But I believe if you have a story that you feel like you really want to tell, write the story and God will find a way to honor that and, and get your book into the right hands. But pray about it first and pray that you have the right message that God wants to share and He will help you get the work out there. Stacey, thank you so much.